BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right, it is the death lineup, and Bri, I don't know if you can see this, but I do have my death lineup-esque hat, which is what our logo is based off of these colors, the old-school Monte Ellis Warriors logo hat. And I'm also wearing the hoodie, the San Francisco hoodie that you got me for Christmas, so I'm ready to go. We haven't actually done one of these in a couple weeks. Um, We we, in, In the time since we last recorded... We actually went to a Warriors game live, and we watched them sleepwalk through a victory over the Wizards. Uh, so we got to see Jordan Poole back in the Bay Area. We got to see them uh, give away two games to the Nuggets, one on Christmas and one just the other night. And it has been such an up-and-down time period for the team. The fervor, the fan fervor f- with frustration about how this team is being coached and managed and and everything it has it's been pretty high. I don't know if this is the the most frustrated the fan base has been in in a long time, but it sort of feels that way. So the last time we talked, I, I asked you for your your gauge. Where what are you feeling about this team right now? One in ten. Ten is like these guys are about to win the NBA championship, and one is. You know, we're about to draft James Wiseman all over again. So so where do you sit right now with what's your temperature gauge with the Warriors? Well, we don't have our 2024 first round pick. So we, we might still be able Wiseman. to trade that pick for James Wiseman, though. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you watched that game last night. He he was he was basically the same James like that guy root for that guy. But I can also see why the, why fans get frustrated with him. Yeah, poor guy. There's I mean. Not totally poor guy, but there's been pretty little improvement just besides his minutes per game since we traded him. Yeah. Um, but one through ten, five. Interesting. Um, it's a little bit higher than I thought you would go. Really? No, I I mean, there's just the whole Draymond question and how this team's not really can never be really considered a contender until we see until he's back really. So, um, but at the same time, I, I don't see the path for this team. Okay. So even if Draymond comes back, there's just been so many games that it just feels, it just feels like last year, um, lo- losing some dumb games. And, and then they do show up sometimes when they need to against the Celtics against both games against the nuggets were winnable. Uh, the three out of, 
they've lost three out of four against LKC, and I believe two out of those three losses were buzzer beaters by Chet. The and that's a good team. And, it's a great team. So it's like yeah. it's like those type of things give you hope, and the fact that they have a plus point differential while being under five hundred, like that's the like a nice thing. But they just keep blowing the games at the end, and it's not something um, I'm I'm super faithful uh, for. And I mean, I've been, I've been telling you, I know we talked about it literally after the first Nuggets game, they've played them three times now, but after the first one, we were like, yeah, they need a number two. They need a guy who can score. That's not Steph who can take it off the dribble and and get you 20 to 25 a game. And I think that's been the issue ever since then. And I think if it's, it seems like a too simple and easy of a solution, but I still think it could be that easy of, you know, getting a guy who you, the defense has to focus on and someone who can put the ball on the floor and, and, and get a shot efficiently. Like that opens it up for Steph. That opens it up for Clay. That opens it up for so many other guys who are pretty stationary and, and it could help if, the Warriors off. If Pods was like four inches taller. If he was Jaime Hawkins Jr. If he was then. a wing instead of, <laughs> You know, instead of a a, a, a point guard or, or shooting guard, that that would actually be the the okay. So, um, you know, the other thing that we said after that first Nuggets game is they actually have a plan against the Nuggets, which makes them a hard out for the Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets they're gonna they're gonna win these close games because they have, you know, I don't know if Jokic is the best player in the league. If he's not, he's in the top three, but he is a closer. They need a bucket. He's going to get a bucket. And I think, you know, as we were sort of thinking about some of these matchups, you know, again, like you said, OKC, I think it's even more necessary that they need to figure out their closing five because it is very clear to me that quarters one through three, they can pretty much play with anybody. And, And if you look at the NBA numbers this year, like scoring is up at a tremendous level. I think there was like a stat the other day, like there was like X number of games where every single team scored over 130 points for the first time in NBA history or whatever. And when I was growing up, that was the NBA at that time, which was just everyone's in the one twenties, everyone's in the one thirties. And so if you can score, which I think the warriors can score, I don't, you know, they may have some issues of, of, you know, when they need tough, tough buckets where where they're not great at it right now. But I think it's really about the closing five, because when you get to that fourth quarter and this, this stat, which is a terrible stat for the Warriors, but they keep bringing it up, this clutch game stat, how every game that they play is like within five points, you know, within the last five minutes of the game or whatever that stat is. It is really more important about who that last five minute, five is for them. And that is the problem to me is they have not figured out what that unit is. And Draymond should help that unit when he comes back, but he is a giant question mark. And we'll get to him uh, in a little bit more of a, uh, a different segment late, later in the show, uh, just an ex- just a, a whole segment for, for Draymond. Cause I think it's necessary, but you know, they just lost. They're someone who Steve Kerr considered part of that closing five, but also who may have been part of the problem in Chris Paul. I, you know, Chris Paul's great to be the, the floor general, 
but late in games, it is it becomes way more of a space out, slow it down, or a pick and roll game. And that part of Chris Paul's game isn't as as great as as it is being the floor general for the first three quarters, at least to me. Losing him sucks because they depend on him so much. And and we'll also maybe talk about some possibilities uh, later. But that is mo- most important to me, I think, is just that closing five. Whatever that closing five is, because you need a balance. You need a mix of offense and, and defense because it does become a possession game. And as you've seen, the Warriors are giving up these games. Like how many of these games that they give away at the end and now – the other side of that is the teams are saying, well, are the Warriors giving them up or are we winning them? Well, I mean, if, if it becomes a trend, some of this is the Warriors giving them up. They they need to figure that part out because if they had fit, if they have that, if who knows if they even have that unit. But if they can figure it out and squeak by with some of these close games and, and turn those wins from losses, then you're talking about a, a team that could be in the sixth or seventh spot. But if they continue to lose these games, they're playing material. And I don't know if you've looked at some box scores from from the team down south, but LeBron is lecturing uh, people asking him questions about Ricky Rubio because he's so mad at his team. And so it's not just, you know, it's not it's not only a Warriors thing. It's 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 uh, sort of a this is how the NBA worked five years ago. And the best players from five years ago still want it to work this way. And we have to adjust and change to what OKC is doing, to what Denver is doing. Uh, Dallas and Luka, even though, you know, the way that Luka plays is is probably not uh, able, no one can sort of replicate that because he's such a force of nature. But yeah, I, I think that is m- most important. Uh, and they have to figure that out. And that falls on you know, sort of this tandem of, of Kerr and Dunleavy. Where are you with Kerr? Uh, and what he said publicly and some of this, I mean, and just the roster in general, because we have a nice little sample size that shows that a, the Warriors are too small and B, they have too many players of the same ilk who, who have issues playing together on the floor, no matter how talented they are. I think, I think Steve's been annoying me more than ever. And it's probably because we are losing close games and it's probably because he, you know, his his adjustment strategy as seen in the playoffs and feels like as seen in the regular season is a game to game basis. He's not really going to make these in-game uh, changes from what his whatever his pregame routine or pregame plan was for that specific game. He's not really going to change that up in the middle of a game. Um, and I think... I, th- I don't know, like like the Moody one in Sacramento where Moody hits, what, three straight threes and then gets pulled. And then at the press conference, he's like, yeah, that was my bad. I shouldn't have done that. And then when the JK one happens, that one seemed more uh, frustrating. And, and I feel like his response wasn't as like accountability. Uh, from what I remember, from what I saw from the from the quotes, it was, was kind of like justifying it. Mm-hmm. And... And then, then, then the JK report. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like Kerr. I mean, you know how like like with Steph, last year or two years ago, that championship thing was like, okay, like, dude, you don't really have to prove anything, but if you want to knock something off your resume, it's that Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like 
and he, and he was able to do it. I feel like anyway, Curry, he was crying. It meant it meant something yeah, it, to him, and it really did mean so much for him. And I think Kerr's little like you don't really have to prove anything, but these are what people. This is still what people say about you is that he was handed a championship team, and like the times when he's had to really, you know, not not had that and and actually have to really coach feels like it's been these last two years and feels it's just been it's been disappointing and i don't, I don't know i don't know um well, I, the, I, think, I, I think i'm a little ex- too hard i think i'm a little well, too harsh on him but i think he does deserve a lot of blame well i mean he he is and and this is kind of something that you know traditionally and, and the nba can be a little bit different because of so much free agent movement but like you think about how a baseball team is put together and it's like farm system and it's some free agent signings and it's trades and you're really trying to build a roster. And when you build that peak roster, you set yourself up for years and years and years of success because the natural evolution of the roster is these young players become your vets and then they age out. And then you're filling back these young players in your roster who are then going to replace those. And so it's just a cycle. And when you screw that cycle up, you can be in like the doldrums forever, we, as we see with the Giants right now. Uh, but in the NBA, it's it's a little bit different in that free agency is such a big deal. And it's really about the haves and the have nots when it comes to free agency. And the Warriors were somewhat the benefit of that because of the Kevin Durant situation. But at the same time, when this stuff goes down, when you have such a veteran laden roster and guys who have been so successful and all of a sudden at the same time, they're all sort of slowly degrading when it comes to their play. I think it's natural for the team to, uh, to, to go down. Now the, I think the comparison, the great comparison here is San Antonio. They won that last title against the heat right before LeBron left to go back to the Cavs. And they had Manu and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, and those guys were aging out. But they also had Kawhi. And so Kawhi, being the centerpiece of that team, allowed them to not, to, to kind of be back within like two years. I think within two years, you know, they, they, they were back fighting with, with the Warriors for, uh, for, for top playoff seed. And so I think the, the, the problem is, is that, our Kawhi is still Steph and he is getting up there. And like the, the future for me, like the, the, the scary thing for me is like, okay, who replaces Steph? Like when Steph is just finally like, I'm done. They, they don't have a Kawhi who you can depend on. Now, some people may say maybe it should be Jonathan Kaminga, but because they haven't, sort of effortlessly put him around those veterans and let him learn and fail because they're chasing, you know, they're chasing these seeds uh, to, to, to make sure that they don't miss the playoffs. And so that, you know, Mr. Lakeup can get those playoff game uh, gates to, to <laughs> because of this high roster. It, 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 it is a, it is a tough spot. Like the, the, their roster gymnastics and their cap gymnastics in order to satisfy the Bay Area, because nobody wants Clay to be gone, right? As frustrated as you are with Clay's play, at the same time, you still want to watch him. You don't want him to go to another team. We we are of this mindset 
that the story, you know, the storied franchises keep their guys and they don't let them go. Yeah, but what if they start playing terribly? And what if they become, you know, maybe even a minus player at some point? And I'm not saying Clay is that right now, but there are games where he is absolutely awful and hurting the team and still getting 25 to 30 minutes. So that is the hardest part, I think, of of Dunleavy and, and Kerr's job right there is you have a fan base that wants new, 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 but you also have a fan base that loves their their OGs to the point of, you know, where they 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 will they they will really uh die for them in, in some instances. Uh so I, I think that's the hardest part is you you're sort of p- trying to balance two things. And if Kaminga was Kawhi, maybe that would be a different story. He hasn't become that. But I think there is an opportunity right now at this moment for Steve Kerr to look at this team and go, okay, Andrew Wiggins, 15 minutes a game, unless he's just ridiculous, and Jonathan Kaminga, 33 minutes a game. And we're moving on from there. That is step one for me because when you watch the Warriors – the other team watching the Warriors goes, okay, we got to watch out for Steph. And there's this Kaminga guy who's just so twitchy and just explosive. And he's the one that scares me. Nah, you know, some of these other guys, don't, you know, Sarich is, is great. And he, he is so talented on the offensive side of the ball. But you know he's not a 38-minute per game player. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, someone like Pods, you're like, Pods, God, Pods is just a pain in, in, in the other team's butt. But he's not big enough to just dominate. He, he's, he's a really good, like, third or fourth guy. So I think Kaminga, I think you just lean into Kaminga. And maybe some of it is, you know, Kerr's a little old school. Like, I don't like these guys whose agents are talking to the press and running to shams and complaining about playing time like that takes them down in his mind maybe because he played with Michael Jordan and he understands sort of the winning dynamic and sort of how everyone has to fall in line because that's what his career was about. But I would lean deeply into Kaminga and just run from there and have Kaminga as your number two scoring option and just fight through it and live through it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So if, if he's not that, you just go down to the ship season over <laughs> If he doesn't turn into Kawhi. Okay, but let's say he is who he is right now. Let's say he's 17 points, six rebounds per game as an evolving young player. If if Stephen Curry is going to be with this team throughout the entirety of his contract, him and Jonathan Kaminga need to get some chemistry more than they, they have right now because the future is not Draymond. Right. I mean, Draymond has given us so many signs to say, hey, guys, don't, you know, don't rely on me for the next four years. Like I got you 2021 or I helped get 2021. All of the behavior and all of the stuff that he's doing off the court, you know, with his career. And I, I don't I don't have any problem with, you know, he's setting up his life that that is what he should be doing. But the basketball stuff, the basketball stuff is finite. You, you, Steph is a unicorn. You know, you're not going to get something like that again, more than likely. And Steph, it's kind of like this thing where, you know, back when um, 
LeBron was was signing these, you know, one year, 50 million or whatever. And like uh, you would have people who, who know NBA economics and they would say, well, you know, LeBron taking 50 because it's capped. But really, if you were to have his value for what he is to this team, he's really worth like probably $200 million a year based on what he does and what he means to the team. And that is Steph. Steph is so valuable. He actually allows these other guys a living and to be, you know, they're, they're, the way that they make the, the money, you know, that that Draymond contract four years for was it 100 four for 100 or whatever it was that is on that is on Steph's back right like that is like the reason why you can pay Draymond that much money is because he and Steph play so well together and that's Steph's guy we need Kaminga to become Steph's guy as well now there's an age difference but you saw last night he kind of stuck up for JK in those comments he said JK was you know right to be frustrated with his playing time. He said he should have played in, in that fourth quarter game against Denver. And he even kind of hedged and then he doubled down on it. It's like, Nope, he, he, he needed to be in there or I don't don't remember the exact word that he said. So he identifies because that was his early career, right? You have Don Nelson kind of messing around with his rotation and then AC laws playing ahead of him in crunch time. Cause you have a, a coach who's not who's, who's more worried about his job and and getting a, a getting a contract rather than the you know the the franchise and that's kind of how it works. But um, I think he identifies with that and he understands what it takes more than Kerr does because Kerr was not going to be a superstar player. Kerr was always going to be a great piece off of the the bench, and so he probably doesn't understand Kaminga's arc as well as someone like Steph does. So I I think you just need to lean in. And if it means Andrew Wiggins is, you know, trade value, so be it. Cause Andrew Wiggins playing is tanking his trade value. And that's where we are right now is Wiggins. Wiggins cannot get a pass. And as he's getting the pass, make a move uh, to the basket because he's going to lose that basketball five times out of 10. And I don't know why all of a sudden it has become that way, but he's just playing so poorly. Uh, and, you know, I, I would, I, I think they need to make that. I need, I think they need to draw it in this, uh, draw a line in the sand right now and say, Kaminga is our guy. And if that means Wiggins has to be the backup, so be it, because it is also proven on the court. We're not making this wild suggestion for the sake of it. It is proven on the court. And if Wiggins is being honest with himself, he's like, yeah, he's outplaying me. I lost my spot. So if Draymond comes back within the next five games, who's your starting lineup? Well, I'm more concerned about the finishing lineup. I think you, you know, as you see, the Kerr's, like jump like he just juggles this starting lineup. He's gonna have to juggle it again because now CP is out and that was his guy. Uh your closing lineup, I think you're gonna have to really sort of uh, figure it out, which is kind of my point at the beginning. But I think it's Dre at the five. I think it's Kaminga, it's Steph, it's Clay, and then who is that other guy? Who is that fifth person? Is it pods? It's probably pods. Or unless they think like Draymond can. 
I guess like offensively they can, cause I mean, they do the whole, you know, Corey Joseph purely got minutes last night because Kerr believes that he could put the ball on the floor and run an offense. He can call a play, make the right pass. He can keep things a little calm. Like he's confident ball handler. Like that's why Corey Joseph got minutes over before Moody did is because Moody is a stationary guy. You give him the ball. Not much is going to happen. Uh, it's going to shoot a three or try to drive and, you know, it's not a good look when that happens. And Moody's the better player, but that's if anyone's questioning why Kojo got minutes first, that's the reason. Whether you agree with it or not, I think he's awful, but that's the I, I also think it's Kerr doesn't want to give Pajemski all of the responsibility, right? Like if he if Pajem, if that was Pajemski's job, then it may stop him from doing some of the other things that he's really good at. Yes, but I think it's the former more because I think they're showing that to you in the starting lineup, how they need to have two of Steph pods or CPs on the floor. It's it's they've been on the floor at all times. They've never been only one of them on the floor. And it's only, I think the only time it happens is when they try the Wiggins Kaminga pairing is that they're like, okay, we need to drop the one ball handler. Um, but Unless they can say that Draymond is going to be that, so that means you, you always still have two on the court. It's Steph and Draymond now. Then yeah, you right. can go Steph, Clay, Wiggs, J.K. Draymond, and have that be your 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 five. But if they don't think that could be Draymond, then yeah, Paz has to play. Then now you're undersized, and now, you know. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, but, those- can, but does Wiggins and Kaminga together provide... In, pr- provide the thing uh, to take you over the top where what they don't have together kind of makes them a minus unit. Though I know last night against Detroit, and you know, Detroit is one of the worst teams in the league record wise. Well, yeah, yeah, the worst, but they also have some pretty darn good players. And so I, I can see why they're in a lot of these games. But at the same time, they don't, they, 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 they have a, a worse identity than the Warriors when it comes to closing these games. Um, I, should we be ashamed that we, yes. that we had to bleed that one out last night? Like, yes. But are you surprised? It, like, no, like we had like a 10 point lead with what four minutes left and that thing's obliterated. And so, minutes. you know what I expected? I expected it to be a little bit more like the wizards game that we I expected survive. it to be tight. Because what we saw in the Wizards game was the Warriors slept walk through the first half. And then, you know, t- the mid third quarter, they kind of they started playing a little harder and, and they, they ran away with it. Uh, some of that was Kuzma uh, getting hurt and, and not playing a lot in that game. Uh, 
I, I expected that to happen. And I watched the game on like an hour delay, but I was able to catch up to the fourth quarter. I, I, I finally, finally caught up. And there was like only like a minute left, but I sort of knew that it was still tight going into the third quarter. And I was just looking for opportunities for the, okay, when are they going to kind of distance this thing? And it never happened. And I was like, wait, in my mind, knowing that I was behind in the game, in, just in my mind, I was like, okay, the Warriors are going to win this game. I just don't know how. And then at some point, I was like, wait, they might, are they going to lose this game? Like, cause, you know, you're sort of relying on texts from people and, and certain tweets and urgent tweets or, you know, the I hate this team kind of tweet. And I didn't see any of those. So I was like, okay, I think they're still going to win it, but this is way closer than I realized. And, you know, some of that is Cade, like Cade was cooking late and that's that's what they don't have right they don't have someone like Cade who can just get to the bucket or get to his mid-range and and get buckets when they need it like that's who they are missing they're so reliant on Steph creating a three-pointer or the ball swinging over to Clay for for three-pointer um and you know bringing Draymond back does not change that it actually bringing Draymond back almost accentuates the problem because he is such a non-scorer late in games. Yeah, bringing Draymond back is going to bring problems, but it's going to be good, but it's going to bring problems. Like, I personally believe he needs to start at the five because I don't... I Because th- I think Kaminga needs to start, right? And mm-hmm. Kaminga's already considered a non-shooter. Um, he gets left wide open, so regardless of if he's hitting him, like, he's still getting left wide open. I still consider that a non-shooter because the defenses aren't focusing on you. So that's already one. You can't have more than two in a starting lineup. And quite frankly, you can't have more than one in the starting lineup. The Warriors and the Cavs are basically the only teams that do two non-shooters in the starting lineup. So if it's Kaminga and then Draymond has to start, then you can't do Looney. You can't have three non-shooters in the lineup. You could do Saric at the five, which is, I guess, something I could see. Or you could just start small. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think, like getting the second best player trading for whoever that guy is, whether it's Siakam, whether it's marketing and you're never getting marketing, but what I think Siakam is really the only realistic target. Um, like unless you get that, then I, I think you're just going to be faced with the same problem that you really have no chance unless Steph's giving you 30 to 33 every night. And I think that's unrealistic to ask of him at this stage of his career. I think he's still capable of it, but I think it's, too much and we should have made the adjustment from last year and realized in the Lakers series that like oh this guy is like the only one doing anything and no one else can provide him anything let's go get a guy who can provide him something and we still don't have that and I think that leaning into Kaminga is something I'm interested in because there are just moments he's just attacks mismatches so well uh whether he went at Jamal Murray every single time against Denver or whether he gets a switch and attacks Jaden Ivey on on Detroit or Bogdanovich on Detroit and he it just looks so effortless when he does it and so simple. And then there's moments where he's hitting these like the middies that he was hitting in the beginning of the season. He was just hitting these nice turnaround or fade middies. And, and now he's taking those a little bit again. Like there is a lot of stuff to his game that I want him to be able to get to explore more. He also but gets fouled. He also goes to the line. Nobody else on this team gets fouled except for him and Steph. But I'm not ready to hand him the keys to the number two. And the difference between him and Kawhi is that Kawhi and what's the frustrating thing about the 
two timeline thing is that the Spurs lucked out on Kawhi. Like where that guy is now, he's the best player on the championship team. Two finals. They did trade for him though, right? It was a George Hill for Kawhi trade. So they saw something in him that caused them to, to trade for him. So I think that's a, you know, good job by you Spurs. Kaminga is never going to be that. He's never going to be Kawhi. And I really like Kaminga, but there's just, there's something where you give Kaminga too many opportunities and then you have a game like the Miami Heat game where he has six turnovers in the first half. And I don't think that, I think that's something where, yeah, he just needs more playing time so he can battle through that. And that's not going to happen much. I agree with that a little bit, but I just don't think he's ready to be a, a guy who's getting, you know, the, the the shot attempts that I guess Kawhi would have in that Spurs year or a, a, as a number two guy would. Like, I just think that. I, and well, Kawhi, Kawhi got his reps, though, through playoff games and finals games, though. That's where he that that's why when those guys left, he was ready to take it on. And last year, when the Warriors were getting dominated by the bigs, Kaminga didn't even get to play. So, you know, the, that we were talking about this at that point. And, and the, the ex, what was the excuse given? Well, he doesn't rebound hard enough. So we're disciplining him for effort and, and losing rather than trying to figure out if he can still help and, and maybe we're not comfortable with, with the effort because it says the wrong message to the rest of the young player. Whatever whatever the reason was. And I, I don't even know. I mean, I'm, we're just talking about what we heard. But had Kaminga played in those two series last year, then it could change the dynamics of, of where he feels the pressure and how he gets and how he works. You know, a lot of it is like, you know, it's, it's a lot of uh, experience, right? So like it, like uh, I always go back to uh, MJ and people think that MJ just kind of came into the league as this like dominant player to, you know, he's always, he's the chosen one. He's going to win all these finals. Detroit kicked his butt in the playoffs for like three years in a row. And from those experiences, he learned about what he needed to do to beat them. And some of it was he needed to put on size so he could take the pounding because the NBA was a lot different back then. If you give Jonathan those minutes last year and then you put that on tape and you go, look, this is what, you know, this is what happened. And then you actually work on those things with him. And he's got the proof by Anthony Davis kicking his butt that, oh, that's the guy that I have to prepare for because that is going to be my role. I need to give the Warriors, give my team what Anthony Davis gives his team, you know, maybe in a different way. But when you don't yeah, even... Yeah, but the reality the guy- is, is that he didn't get minutes in the playoffs and he got, I think the only minutes he really got in the playoff series was that Memphis one and he still barely got... And then that was the championship year. And so the reality and that's is... that's what I'm saying. Is- we need to do it now. They need, they need to just double down on who he is now so that we don't have any questions by the end of this season because it seems like the last two or three years is like, okay, what is Jonathan Kaminga? And like, they should have that answer right by now. And I don't think that they have it and they could get it. Well, Cause what's the risk, right? You're the 10th seed in the West. What is the risk? If they continue to play the same way, they are the 10th seed in the West. 
if you I give the Jonathan, risk, go ahead. the risk is that you do not have your 2024 first round pick. You rank first in payroll. You have one of the five best players in the NBA. Those three things alone say that you should be doing your best to contend. And I think it's too much of a risk to gamble on of, again, this guy got no playoff minutes. That's really where the Warriors feel the most comfortable. Like what Wiggins did in the playoffs has paid dividends for like the past two years of how much they trust the guy just because of how well he played against Boston and and obviously the whole year, but it's the playoffs where the Warriors earn their trust for guys. And the reality of the situation is that he didn't play. And that wasn't his fault. In my opinion, I think that was idiotic Kerr and and the, the coaching staff by not giving him run. And now because of that, they're not going to trust him again in the playoffs because he didn't get run, but that's really their decision. And it's, it's so frustrating, but I think this team as currently constructed will not win a championship. I think that if Kaminga gets more opportunity, um, I think they're, I think it will look better because I do think he's capable of taking another leap. He's literally like, I think that would be the hard thing about trading him is we're literally seeing the leap right now. Like he's slowly taking it and that sucked to see him get moved. But with this team as currently constructed, can they win a title? My answer is no. And my answer is barely win the first round. If like if they get the right matchup, they're, they're going to win the first round. But other than that, they're losing the second round again. And I think that all the signs indicate that they should be doing their best to contend. And but who is the guy to trade for it? Siakam. Okay. But what does Siakam give? Does, is he the, the tough twos guy? He is. He he is. He's shoot. the tough twos guy. He's the rebound guy. He's the defense guy. He's size. And you would just kind of have to change your best lineup a little. And I'm not entirely like, um, like I, I made a trade and all yeah, of me, you know, wants Sia- to- you know, Siakam gets a r- similar rebound numbers to Kaminga, right? Sure. But Kaminga's rebounding well this year. He, he's at 6.5 this year. That's, that's Siakam playing yeah. way more minutes than, than JK. If you, if you, uh, I don't know what the admittedly had like a kind of an off year, but they will not, I mean, he's, he's still getting buckets. He's scoring 22 points a game. They will not win the championship until they have a number two guy. And, you know, they were able to scrape something together in the 21, 22 season where it was a little second best player on a championship team by committee with Wiggs, clay and clay was able to come alive a little bit. Draymond in the latter half of the Boston series, but they it's not there anymore. They don't have Wiggins isn't going to come out of the woodworks to give you a great series. And you know he might, but you don't want to bet on it. Clay, like, no Draymond, where has he been? It's been partying and <laughs> you need, like you need a guy who, who is like an all-star caliber player. And Siakam's not going to make the all-star game this year, but he is an all-star caliber player. I think he made it just last year. Um, there is a risk though, because he's unsigned. Right. And, and, and I honestly think that's a good thing because there's no long-term commitment and you're not really giving up that, that much to get this guy. And my trade that I put together was CP Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis at a first round pick. And I'm willing, I think you could probably get rid of that first round pick because I think the way Trace Jackson Davis has played, he's under a contract for four years at like one point something million dollars a year. So that is tough for the Warriors to get rid of. But I think that with the roster construction, Draymond and Siakam not being able to shoot and them would have they would have to be in their starting lineup then you can't start Looney and you you know now you have Looney Sarge and TJD off the bench and it's like okay that's too many centers and 
then I, that, that's what I think makes Trace expendable because Loon becomes your backup five. Sarge sticks at that four. Um, but I don't know. I don't think you, I think it's I think it's almost favorable that you're not committing crazily long term for Siakam. And maybe he, there's still a chance he resigns. He's just not going to. I think I think the only it. way you can make that trade is if you have an agreement from him that he's back. But if you do have an agreement with him that he is coming here and he is re-signing, I think you kind of have to give up Clay because that is the matching money. That is sort of the going in and going out money. Is well, CP3 it would be off the books. Kaminga is up for a rookie extension. He would be off the books. I did the math. And yeah, they would, I mean, if they were to make that trade, and Clay and Siakam would be off the books. So if they made that trade, CP's money's out, Kaminga's money's out, Trace Jackson Davis's little amount is out. You bring in Siakam, him and Clay are expiring by the end of the season. You're under the cap for the first time in I don't know how long, but you don't have Clay and Siakam on, on under under the under contract. But then obviously you'd give him contract. I don't think Clay deserves anything more than twenty million dollars a year. I think that's so. You're straight. basically saying you're trading for Siakam to free up LeBron. That's what you're yes, saying. Yes, in a way, in a way. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I think that they should be doing everything. Like, yes, the next three to four years of Steph is extremely important, but I think they should be doing their best to win now because nothing's guaranteed. And this still feels like a semi-open West where your best teams have, don't have really playoff experience. Timberwolves never won around. OKC hasn't played. This, this is their first time together as a unit. Denver looks so beatable. They, I think there's a stat where they're like 9 and 12 against teams above 500. The Clippers are the only ones that look good, but we know them. They always choke and they always get injured in the playoffs. Who's the five so, seed? So you want to lean into the OGs, man. Well, we should get Durant out of the Phoenix as well. Let's, I want let's to run lean it back this year. And the, I 20, think that... the 2010s, the best of the 2010s take on all comers. That should actually be the theme of uh, NBA 2K next year. Yeah, but I think... I think I'm also playing accounting for the stubbornness of our coach and our front office and our players of wanting to ride it out together. And then them not only trusting them, only trusting guys who have proven playoff experience. Siakam has a chip. Siakam was his second or third best player in a championship team that beat the Warriors. Against so. us. Mm-hmm. And we, so we, I think I mentioned like, Kawhi maybe it's not my number on the same podcast. And so do you not think even that they can, that they beat us? Do you think that they can make no moves and there can, they could be a contender? No, they have to make a move. I, I think they have to make a move just for the sanity of the team. Like, it, it, I don't know enough about what their locker room is right now, but if you have Kaminga and Moody or their agents leaking stuff to the press about their unhappiness and their playing time, that's not necessarily a happy, cohesive locker room. And I think that was part of Kerr's argument. And this is, if you have a, if you have a, uh, something negative to say about Steve, the fact that he's got to restate to his young players about how to keep things, you know, in, in the inner circle. And they're still doing that. Like that, that is maybe a, a hit to his leadership or whatever, or his ability to, um, you know, re really lean into the, the personalities of his young players. Cause we know he can do that with his vets and we see him back up, you know, back, back these guys up. Though, let's transition to the last part of the conversation I wanted to have with you, which is uh, Draymond. Uh, Draymond is not with the team. We, we saw a note that he is probably headed 
back to the team and, and maybe you're going to be working out in the facility, but Steve Kerr had the comment of, you know, we took, we had, we had, we had our break from Draymond and he had his break from us, which doesn't sound like, you know, this is kumbaya right now. Right. So you have this Draymond situation. You have this situation with the younger players who aren't, don't believe that they're getting time. Like, I think bringing Draymond back uh, could create even more issues because he's such a demanding personality. But at the same time, I think he's got respect of that locker room. But that respect may be lessening, right, because of all the things that have happened. So um, including the Jordan Poole thing last year, which we always have to bring up because it is it is really a pivot point in the history of this franchise or, or at least where they are right now. So what do you think about Draymond? Can he come back without the drama? Can he be the same player that he needs to be while basically walking on eggshells with the NBA? Oh, man, this is a tough one. <laughs> it, it, it is. I think it's the hardest question to answer, but it is also something that they need to solve because if they can't, they're on the hook with this dude for the next several years and, and big money not big money, but enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's tough because my whole plan relies on him coming back and being the same player. <laughs> and uh, like, I think he can come back and I think that he can walk on eggshells for a little bit but it wouldn't shock me if another something happened. And if he gets suspended again, man, like I think they should get rid of him and cut ties. And that makes it easy to, he's the first domino to fall. He did it to himself. Who takes him though? Who, who wants that? Who wants that problem? Just as hard as that question was for you to answer. You're telling me another franchise is like, we will take your Draymond problem, knowing that the NBA is proving a point here with him and saying like, you know, all of these things, that you've done over the years, we are counting them and we are adding them together and saying, yeah, you do something again. And, and you know, who knows? Like it was an indefinite suspension. They didn't even give him a length. They just said, just yes. go away. But um, yeah, I think there are teams who would still have them. I think it's Detroit. Like, I mean, two, two of the teams. Okay, in this give, us list, Jay, give us Duran. Done deal. Let's go. Done deal. Two of the teams in this list are currently uh, their GMs are players in the Suns and the Lakers. So KD and LeBron get what they want. I think yeah. I think I think at least one of them would want Draymond. So I think it's still possible to potentially like move him. But I do get that it's like, why would we want him? He's not working out for you guys. And I don't know. It's a tough situation. And the guy is, oh man, the, the guy is so annoying. The guy's my favorite player, like of all time, I think. And I I like legit like struggle to like him as a person. Um, I, mean, we, I mean, you don't never you don't know how he is in in real life versus what he is on the court. I mean, if he was doing some of this stuff out in the streets, then it would be a different story. But we he, have a podcast to understand who he is in real life, and I don't like that guy. So, <laughs> oh, do you do you still listen to this podcast? I don't, but I just hear clips of like this is how real men are, and it's just, it just pisses me off because the guy's an emotional freak. And yeah, I, but I, I I think he looks at everything as it pertains to the NBA court when he says stuff like that. Okay, so you're is, saying that it's still not the real Draymond. This is just the podcast version of Draymond. It's just well, it's on it's the court the, Draymond with the mic. Right. It is. It is Draymond. 
in all of his beliefs of what basketball is and and what basketball should be for him to succeed in the NBA that like if he really thought about you know real men versus whatever like I've never seen Draymond get in a fight in the court right like he stay he's he's not someone who's like you know wanting to box people who know I mean I'm I'm surprised someone hasn't tested him in that way yet because of how much he talks but like that that I think that is all his personality within the confines of uh, of the court and you know uh, he seems like he's a fun loving guy he likes to have a good time remember when when they first did the nba awards and he wore that that shiny green shorts uh suit or whatever <laughs> like that to me that's who he is is like he wants he he's preparing for his his off the court life uh while he's he's playing um, but so, so besides, I, the, I, besides the point, but like my whole not liking Draymond, that's totally besides the point. But yeah, it's a tough situation. And if he doesn't come back, at least what he was last season, then it's cooked. Like, I think he had a pretty solid season last season. So I think that the problem that he's going to have is overthinking his emotions on the court. Because if you dull the emotions, which is what makes him partially what makes him great if you try to control those uh maybe the emotions have been what's killed him though so far this season the emotions over athleticism i think has what killed him because he he has to deal with like because so i remember uh nate jones i, I always like to bring up nate jones because he has some smart takes uh, when the Warriors were winning in uh, 15 and 16 and 17, well, they didn't win in 16, but they were really great in 16. Nate Jones would say what makes Draymond great is his athleticism. And the second he loses a step, he's going to have to learn how to then, uh, you know, play more w- with his mind. And which I think, which is what we ha- we have seen. But, if you continue, he's just going to continue to lose athleticism. That's what happens when you get older. And so, how does does it become more of a of a of a mind thing for him, where he's able to figure out the game? But part of his mind is the emotion aspect of it. Is that's how he leads with his emotions. So if he loses that part of his game, can he be as good? And and. I, I don't know. I don't know how players utilize their emotions for, for good or for bad. I know how to do that as a human in, in real life, how you can use your emotions for both good and bad. But that that is the concern. And can he channel those when how hard he plays and his, his emotions is sometimes what carries him to be as good as he is. That That is the part that I don't think anybody has an answer for, except for maybe him. And we haven't heard him talk about that because if he does, then he has to talk about this loss of athleticism, which I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about. And But it's also the same as Clay, right? Clay and Draymond, I feel, mentally and emotionally, are very similar. They just show it in different ways. Clay is way more chill but you see the the pouting and stuff on the sideline, which, you know, when you are a, a, a multi-multi-millionaire, one of the top 100 basketball players of all time, and your coach has to remind you to stop pouting on the sideline, like, that's a thing. It's it's a little bit underreported because everybody loves Clay, But that's a problem, you know, when you have to remind your mid-30s all-star, dude, just stop pouting. Like, like... 
deal with this this stuff. This is how the NBA works. Your dad was uh, a champion. Like, like let's let's age gracefully, but at the same time, the competitiveness of Clay is what makes him hit shots late in the game where fans are like, "Oh, Clay's back." So it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough balance. And these athletes, we are not in their shoes, so we don't understand the pressure. The pressure has got to be crazy high. Draymond hasn't really had his Clay moment though, where Clay in the beginning of last year sucked, did the whole Devin Booker Suns four thing. Then in the beginning of this year, and really up until the whole year, has been pretty I think underwhelming. This is it. This is it, right? This is that moment. I get you're just not playing is that moment. I guess. Well, but... or 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 the NBA telling Draymond, cut the shit out. That's that's his version of of you know of that I think they're 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 physically like Draymond's not injured right usually if you don't play it's because you're benched for bad play or you're injured none of that has happened to him so he's got to be even way more frustrated that he's sort of being held back because of behavior and so that's the line and and I, I imagine that is the the source of the frustration okay so. Your your whole vision of, of who the Warriors could be is very reliant on Draymond coming back. Could yeah. there be an avenue for Draymond to utilize this energy and this frustration and just ball out and come back second half of the season? He is just re-energized and focused and fired up. I, I don't know if many people think that that's going to happen, but if what you're hoping happens... I. That kind of has to be the play, right? That kind of has to it, be. There's a world is. where it happens because, like you said, like I mean, he's had time off, and like you know, as old as some of these guys are, like they can't really be playing no 82. I think Draymond probably played like damn near 70 last year, 70 yeah. games that is. And I'm I mean, just worried about this... the low. I'm just worried about the Lobos. That's what I'm worried about for all. Yeah, this time Lobos off. are. <laughs> the Lobos are gonna set him back a few games, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, as much as this is bad for him, there's a potential that this could be good for him playing wise of like, hey, his body needed a rest. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I just I, if I'm the other team, though, and Draymond comes back like I'm trying to rile him up. I'm trying oh, yeah. to make him Absolutely. lose his cool. I'm trying to get him suspended again. How and... many times is Sabonis going to be on the floor and just grabbing his feet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. He not only is he fighting an uphill battle, he's walking on eggshells, but now people are going to be probably trying a little even harder to get him. Dude, Nurkic just going to grab his hands every time possible and have him try to wriggle out of the wrist lock. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't even... That's the good thing about what Kaminga's showing lately is that offensively, like hunting Steph and Clay, like the way he's been making quick and sharp passes to them when they're coming off of screens and just knowing that, hey, I'm wide open for three, but Steph is covered right next to me. Let me just go screen him real quick to free him up. Like he's been doing some of that Draymond stuff lately. And and there is a chance like he can transition into him. I think he's better than Draymond offensively, but he'll never be anything what Draymond is defensively. But if no. you can replace that with the, another defender, like can they get Nick Claxton from the Nets? Um. There's another avenue, I think, to to replacing Draymond if he doesn't come back or if he gets in trouble again or if he doesn't come back the way he is. But if he doesn't come back the way he is, I, I don't know. Season's cooked. Like, I don't really have can much. I, can I put can I put a nice bow on this thing as we get out of here? Here here yeah. is the if you were writing this, like if you if if you were writing fiction as as a way for Draymond 
to come back to this team and ride off into the sunset and become a winning basketball player again. In 2015, as the Warriors were trying to win their first championship since the mid-70s, Steph Curry was struggling against the Memphis Grizzlies. And Draymond took him out to dinner and was just like, bro, you're Steph Curry. Like, stop being in your head so much. Steph Curry has had to take on way more of a vocal leadership role this year. You see him at the podium having to explain lots of different things, uh, including last night with Kaminga. I think this, for this to happen, it is Steph Curry taking Draymond out and being like, bro, this is where we need to be. This is what we need from you. And if you can bring that, I can do this and we're going to fight and get back in this playoff race. I think, I think it's good. It's on the shoulders of Steph Curry and he can, he, he's probably the only one who could reach Draymond in that way uh, because Draymond is uh, such a ferocious competitor and Steph is, is a ferocious competitor as well. And just in a, in a slightly different way. And I think that's, you know, Steph's got to be the Dre, the Dre guy. He's got to be the, 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 the person who gets Draymond to, to see the light, uh, I, I guess. And like, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. And, and you and me, and we're still in this together. And we're going to, you know, I think this is the reverse of that Memphis thing from uh 26, 2015 or whatever. So I think that's how, I think that that's how we, that's how we get this done. So Steph pick out the restaurant, Get some wine, get Draymond back in, and and let's run this back and see if we can, you know, get to where we were last year, six seed in the playoffs or whatever. We're cooked. <laughs> it's over. That's what that's what Ben Cruz would say. So wait, wait, give me your schedule. You're uh, when are when are you leaving again? Uh the twentieth of January. Okay, so I think we could we'll pro- we could probably do one more show, and then I'm gonna have to maybe send send Ben. Uh, some some Zoa to to get him to to do the shows that Throw when you're the gone signal the Ben yeah. signal how how, uh, how many weeks are you gonna be gone? I'm back on like the second or the third of February, so it's like a two week thing. Okay, and then is that it for you? Or are you going back or going back in the middle of February? Okay, so we'll have we'll have to we'll have scheduling. To get... Yeah, scheduling off off the pod. Next five for the Warriors: Toronto, New Orleans, Chicago, Milwaukee, Memphis. That that Pelican start is like a weird start time too. Five thirty p.m. It's ABC game. Oh, ABC game during the week. Wednesday, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. All right, that is it for the pod, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, and then Brian will miss a few shows, and I'll I'll, I'll have to beg, beg, borrow, and, and steal for for to get Ben Cruz to sub in. But Ben is like. This team sucks. So well, that'll be a very interesting, <laughs> a very interesting dynamic yeah. for, for the podcast. All right. So for Bri, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.